Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. All right, so North Korea now has a missile that can hit Washington, D.C., Oh, yeah. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Donald Trump's successful foreign policy on uh, North Korea. What do you say, everybody? It is a Wednesday, Wednesday, November 29, and here we are, the Bill Press Show. As always, coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., bringing you the news of the day, not just here from Washington, although there's a lot of it from Washington today, but all around the country, all around the globe. But we'll bring you up to date on what's going on and uh, ask you what you think about it. Uh, Give us a holler on Twitter at BP Show with your comments on the news of the day. Yes, North Korea shooting off. Um, launching the uh, most powerful missile that they have uh, so far, (coughs) pardon me, going higher and longer than any other missile before, Uh, but we don't have to worry about it because Donald Trump says uh, we'll handle it. The, as expected, the Senate Budget Committee yesterday did pass their uh, giant tax cut for the rich plan, and as expected, uh, those weenie Republicans who pretend uh, to be independent, who pretend to have a mind of their own. Um, Yeah, I'm talking about Bob Corker uh, and Ron Johnson. Uh, They folded. They voted for it. Not one Democratic vote, but all the Republicans voted for it. It goes to the uh, Senate floor uh, tomorrow or probably late tomorrow or Friday. And uh, Donald Trump did get a win on the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau Uh, Mick Mulvaney, budget director, will be head of that agency, and he has already begun to systematically destroy it. Uh, That's just the beginning of things we'll be talking about today with you. Again, your comments welcome on Twitter, at BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, LeBron James has been playing basketball for a long, long time, so you would think that there aren't a whole lot of firsts left for that guy, but last night... A new first for LeBron James. He was thrown out of the basketball game. That's never happened before. He says in his entire career, including the time that he's been playing basketball in high school, he's never been out. Well, he was tossed out during the third quarter of the the Cavaliers' win over the Miami Heat with a minute 59 left in the third quarter. He missed a shot as he drove to the basket, and shock, LeBron thought he was fouled. So he can... 
complained to the refs, and he continued to yell at the referee until the referee finally gave him a technical foul and ejected him. It's huh. because he could do anything that he wants, and someone finally decided to stand up to him. Yeah. That's how, that's how this works. Yeah, shock of all shocks. LeBron thought he was fouled? Oh, yeah. So right. good. <laughs> so he got thrown out. He said after the game, I've never been thrown out my entire life. They say there's a first time for everything. Tonight was that night. Like I said, this also includes the time spent that uh, the time that he spent playing high school basketball. He's never been thrown out of a basketball game. About time, huh? Bill, have you ever been to a Buffalo Wild Wings restaurant? <laughs> 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 I do know where he went uh, this past weekend, though. Yeah, right, I mean, I, I. Oh yes, that was that was a first. Went to McDonald's. Not a first, but a first in a long time. The only wings restaurant I went to was with you in Buffalo. Oh yeah, the Anchor Bar. The Anchor Bar. That's where the Buffalo wing was yeah, was allegedly yeah, invented. Right, well. Right. Uh, yesterday, so, so I guess the answer is yes. I have been to one. No. Well, this isn't the Buffalo Wild Wings no. chain. Oh, There's a no. chain oh, called oh. Buffalo Wild Wings. Probably yesterday, yeah. Arby's Restaurant Group announced that they have a, reached a deal to acquire Buffalo Wild Wings for two point four billion dollars. A lot of wings in cash. It's a lot of wings. Arby's a, says two point four billion dollars. Th- that was the most shocking part of the story to me that Arby's is able to buy people out. Those curly fries, they uh go the distance. <laughs> Have you ever been to an Arby's, Bill? <laughs> no, not <laughs> neither that either. Right? Don't you hate on Arby's? Yeah. I'm not a big I'm not a big Arby's guy. I'm not a big Arby's guy. But like look, these are two terrible restaurants that can now coexist. Yeah, I don't like the looks peaceful. of Arby's either. No, I wouldn't go in Arby's. No. Okay. Right. I I would. Jamie, you're an Arby's Oh, I'm not. No, no, no. Jimmy's an Arby's don't, guy? Don't put me in that corner. Man, I didn't oh. know you were an Arby's guy. Not a Crystal is a guy, not an Arby's guy. <laughs> on your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yeah, he may be short and fat, but he can shoot a mean missile, as Donald Trump learned uh, again yesterday. All the insults against Kim, Kim Jong-un doing uh, no good at all. North Korea just continues booming along with their nuclear weapons program, uh, and Donald Trump continues doing nothing. Uh, we are here with you. Hello, everybody. It is the Bill Press Show, and it's good to have you here with us to tackle all the news of the day, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, in case you didn't, re- didn't uh, in case you forgot. Uh, but that's, we are right on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol building. Uh, we can uh, watch and hear what's going on down there. We'll bring all that news to you. And yes, Republicans did uh, live up to their pledge. They're rolling right along to passing this mammoth tax cut for the rich by the end of the week in the Senate. Uh, and then uh, going to uh, the conference committee uh, with the House. They're determined uh, to get that done. Uh, as we've said several times, they believe God could put them on this great green earth to raise taxes for rich people, and damn it, they got the power. That's how they're going to use it. Again, great to see you today. Thank you for joining us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And we remind you, if you are watching on YouTube, please, please, please sign up and subscribe so we can count you as one of our subscribers and so that you will hear from us uh, several times during the day. 
with updated videos and news as it happens. By the way, that's really, really important. Like, yeah. I understand a lot of people see the link on Twitter or wherever, and they click on it, and they're watching the show, and that's great. But you really need to just take that extra step, click the subscribe button. That way you get all of our stuff throughout the day. Right. And, uh, by the way, something else you ought to subscribe to is, um, Peter, our special Bernie Sanders series. Patreon, patreon.com slash BP show. We finished our Bernie Sanders series, The Making of Bernie Sanders. Can't watch it. Can't see it anywhere else. So if you become a subscriber on Patreon or become a patron on Patreon, it's $5 a month. You get access to the whole series. Uh, We put up interviews with uh, Nina Turner, Larry Cohen, uh, Michael Briggs. Uh, Tad Devine, all these people who worked with Bernie and know Bernie very, very well. And the final episode that we put up last week was a, sort of a roundtable with journalists who have covered the Democratic Party to take a look at how Bernie has impacted the party overall. Uh, it's really, really good. I'm really proud of what we did with it. And uh, you can only get it if you become a patron. Patreon.com. Patreon.com. Also, good to see you on Free Speech TV out there, and uh, we love uh, joining you in the greater Chicago area on the progressive voice of Chicago, WCPT. Uh, So uh, before we get right to the news of the day, I have a little announcement to make, Um, okay? All right. Uh, I want you all to know I'm not moving to Bangkok. Okay. No? No. No. Okay. I've decided I'm not moving to Bangkok. I decided, not that there was any real chance I might go. I decide that after uh, I, I read in this morning's New York Times about a problem they've got in uh, Bangkok. Uh, and it starts out with a story of a, a woman who was uh, using the toilet in her uh, downstairs bathroom when she felt a sharp bite on her thigh. Uh, she jumped up and there was an eight-foot python in her toilet. No. Snakes have taken over the city of Python. Uh, we're talking cobras, we're talking pythons taking over the city of Bangkok. Uh, last year, uh, the fire department in Bangkok, as of uh, yesterday, had received 31,801 calls from people. What? 31,801 calls from people asking their help to get big snakes out of their house. No, thank you. They're slithering up through the pipes, no, into the you. toilets, into the homes, through the walls and everything. That. Get that. Uh, no, on one day, la- just one day last week, the fire department received 173 snake invasion calls compared to five fire alarms. Mm-mm. So, <laughs> wait, five, this is the fire department, five fire alarms, 173 snakes, snake calls. <clears throat> So, Peter, you're not moving to Bangkok? Either? No, no, I don't need that in my life. Can no, you imagine? No. Oh, oh. No. No. <laughs> I, just, I mean, the pythons have invaded the Everglades, but we haven't heard yet they, they haven't that they're the, slithering up the toilets the in system. Miami no. or Tampa or I, anywhere, no. right? There's Florida's got that. other problems. They don't have that problem yet. So. <laughs> I, I, I just want to make that official, okay, in case anybody was wondering, right? Okay. Uh, that, that having said... Having been said, uh, yes, indeed, um, trouble yesterday from, and it's been a couple of months after a whole series of uh, launches and tests on the part of North Korea, uh, it's been a couple of months since there's been any activity at all, 
And people were, in fact, I, I remember somebody on our show the other day said, it looks like they sort of quieted down, right? They've calmed down. Oh, no, 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 no. They were just getting ready for the big one. And the big one came yesterday. Uh, this missile traveling, again, higher and longer than any other before. Um, it flew, I forget how long, before it crashed into the Sea of Japan. Uh, but experts say this missile, uh, based on its trajectory, based on how long it was in the air, based on how high it went and how far it went, that this missile could reach anywhere in the United States of America. Uh, earlier missiles, they said, could reach the West Coast. Okay, Now, boom, Chicago, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Miami, boom, you name it. We are all within missile range of this nutty dictator uh, of North Korea. Uh, and as if it's comforting at all, uh, Donald Trump yesterday saying, uh, don't worry, don't, don't, don't worry, um, General Mattis is here, and uh, we're going to handle it. We will take care of it. We have General Mattis in the room with us, and uh, we've had a long discussion on it. It is a situation that we will handle. Isn't that comforting? You know what? He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. No, he doesn't. It's clear. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. We will handle it. Yeah, right. Uh, and w <laughs> Americans, starting with this one right here, are rightfully afraid of what he means when he says, we will handle it. Uh, I think he is ignorant enough and reckless enough uh, to try some military action against North Korea. He's already, he has brought us to the brink of nuclear war. Uh, and with this unstable man with his finger uh, so close to the trigger, uh, it's a pretty scary situation. It's also, I think, more and more clear that all the talk, all the rattling of swords, all the threats, all the personal insults uh, are not going to work. The only way the only way this is going to be resolved is to sit down at the table with North Koreans and recognize this is why they're doing this. They want respect among nations, and they know, and they're not wrong, that the only way to really get respect among nuclear nations is to be a member of the nuclear club that we've created United States, the only nation on the planet to ever use a nuclear weapon uh, against uh, another country. Uh, so they want that respect. The only way we're going to uh, stop them from doing something really crazy is to sit down with them, uh, accept them as a member of the nuclear club, and say, okay, now as a member of the club, here are the rules, uh, and here are the restraints, and here are the limits you have to recognize uh, as, part, as part of that club. It didn't help yesterday, by the way, when uh, you had um, some Republican senators, notably Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, saying, well, we'll go to war if we have to, uh, to stop this. That kind of reckless, irresponsible talk on the part of Lindsey Graham, who knows uh, better, uh, is, pretty, is pretty disgusting. Uh, of course, that threat of the possibility of a war with North Korea uh, was overshadowed by the war between Donald Trump and Chuck and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi uh, yesterday. Nanchuk. Yeah. Nanchuk, yes, how can we forget that? Uh, and, you know, this is crazy. So for weeks they've been planning this meeting of the four leaders and the president, a, a second meeting. Remember, at the first meeting, Donald Trump ended up turning to Chuck and Nancy and making a deal about keeping the government open and running and then hinted that he might even make a deal with them on 
DACA on the Dreamers program on immigration, that that aspect of immigration. And the stuff hit the fan among conservatives. How dare he make a deal with them? Why did you know what's he doing? Thank you very much, Nancy. Yeah. Chuck, appreciate it very much. There you go. Uh, that he was selling out his base, blah, 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 blah. So this meeting is coming up, been planned for a long time, and it was the two Democratic leaders, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, and the two Republican leaders, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, uh, as supposed to take place at the White House yesterday. And then ahead of this meeting, and by the way, the ostensible reason for this meeting was like the same as the last time, meaning we got a government shutdown coming again, possibility, December 8 is the deadline. What are we going to do to avoid it? Same, so same topic, same players, same place, Roosevelt Room of the White House. And yesterday morning, ahead of that meeting at 9.17 a.m., the meeting was scheduled for early afternoon, uh, Donald, Donald Trump sends out this tweet, quote, meeting with Chuck and Nancy today about keeping government open and working. Problem is they want illegal immigrants flooding into our country unchecked, are weak on crime, and want to substantially raise taxes. I don't see a deal. <laughs> now, what, by the way, remember, he, one of the reasons people voted for him was because he was supposedly the deal maker. President Deals. The deals. That's his whole thing. Yeah. Art of the deal, right? He's the deal maker. Is that any way to make a deal? It's like I said to somebody yesterday, you invite a couple of friends to your house for dinner, right? And then before they show up that afternoon, you send out a tweet saying, I hate those a-holes, right? <laughs> They're really ugly, mean people, obnoxious people, right? I, I don't want anything to do with them, right? And, and and then you expect them to show up? God, I mean, what an ignorant, not to mention rude, thing to do. He's just an idiot. And what a way to queer a meeting, He's right? just an idiot. Yeah. And so I got to tell you, salute to them. Salute to Chuck and Nancy. They said, stuff your meeting, shove it up your, you know what, we're not going to show up. You know, you're going to put that out ahead of... By the way, it's totally untrue. I mean, you don't even... Almost don't even have to... Whoa. Look at Bill. Look at Bill just saw it. (laughs) Oh, whoa. Let me finish this thought. I was going to let you finish this thought. I was going to to get it in here a little little bit. Go ahead. Whoa. Uh, All right. Um, (laughs) Don't look at the TVs during the show, Don't look at the TVs during the show. Yes. Uh, at any rate, Chuck and Nancy did not show up. Good for them. I wouldn't either. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Okay. Uh, let's take a little break here for breaking news. Can we yeah. have a breaking news sounder? Um, I've got the stuff here. Uh, Jamie, do we have a breaking news sounder? Come on. This yes. is a Bill Press Show breaking news update. <laughs> Just saw it there on CNN and now on MSNBC. Go for it, Peter. Matt Lauer was fired from NBC on Wednesday after an employee filed a complaint about inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace. Savannah Guthrie made the announcement at the top of the Today Show this morning. Matt Lauer has been the anchor there for two decades. Uh, NBC News Chairman Andrew Lagg put out a memo as well, saying that this was the first complaint lodged against Lauer. Uh, but they said that they were presented with reason to believe this may not have been an isolated incident. So Matt Lauer has been terminated. He is gone. He is no longer at NBC. Now, 
Combine this with the fact that Charlie Rose, the morning show anchor over on CBS, has also been terminated for inappropriate sexual behavior. Um, that's two out of three of the big the big three morning shows that are without their male uh, anchors. Is Chris Cuomo next? <laughs> I, I, by the way, I do not want to suggest in any way that sure. he should be. And I, I, I should probably not have even joked at that. But yeah, that is the fact that Charlie Rose and now Matt Lauer. And with Matt Lauer, look, it's hard to comment when you don't know more than what we know, right, which is the fact that he has been fired. But this is, this is with everyone else, with Bill O'Reilly, with Charlie Rose, they were suspended pending finding more, uh, more, more about it, right? Yeah. Um, now, it didn't take long for Charlie Rose to be fired, a right. little longer for Bill O'Reilly. But with Matt Lauer, it's like summarily, it sounds like summarily on the spot with one allegation. Right? Well, All you got to say is it must have been really, really I, damn serious. I, I, or it, it starts with overreacted. one. It starts with one. I know, Charlie, it started with eight, but it starts with one. We will hear more. Yeah, I think Matt we'll Lauer. hear more. And, and, we will. But NBC, my point, NBC must have known more. They will well, they, not they, he references Andy Lack, the, the, the president of NBC News, says that they, like I said, they were presented with reason to believe this may not have been an isolated incident. And I remember last year or not that long ago, there were Matt Lauer actually had to come out and say, uh, shoot down rumors that he was having an affair with another woman who worked at the network. Uh, and a couple of years ago, there was another Matt Lauer scandal involved with him having a relationship with someone that wasn't his wife. But I mean, like, again, if, if, if this is not one isolated incident, right. we get they, we they give Fox been. News a lot of crap for how poorly they handle these situations. NBC, I don't think, has been doing a great job with this stuff either. So, I, you know, I, I think they realized that they had like, to act like and they what, had what, to what, act like, quickly. Like what? I'm not going to say some of the stuff on air because I don't want to go out no, there. No, no, and, no, who else at NBC had been challenged and not and not? Well, there was the Halpern stuff. I mean, obviously Halpern was in two different buckets ABC. there, but ABC. Well, no, no, he was and a then, commentator well, on MSNBC. The stuff was at yeah. ABC, yeah, and they, sure. but they fired him. Yeah, they fired him. Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, I don't know where they've not acted in the past. I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying, it's stunning, yeah. stunning, and also stunning that would happen so fast over so far. We've heard one allegation, but with indications. So there's got to be more. There's yeah. got to be more. I, I think we will hear about them, too. Good riddance and believe these women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um, boy, no no matter. And, and you know, you keep coming back to um, action like this taken in the media world, action like this taken in the Hollywood world, in the political world. Oh, no. You can be president. You can be president of the United States. And a lot of people believe you can be United States Senator from Alabama. Yeah. The same rules ought to apply. And I would say the same rules ought to apply across the board. Uh, I mean, you do have to make sure the allegations, you, you got to make sure, I mean, not every charge of sexual harassment is a sexual assault. Not every charge of sexual assault is rape. You got you, you to gotta make some distinctions there and make sure you know your facts. But clearly, Roy Moore does not belong in the United States Senate. Donald Trump does not belong in the White House. And I'd say John Conyers doesn't belong in the United States Congress. Yeah. And more and more people are coming to uh, that conclusion. 
uh, including, as we learned on our show yesterday, Melanie Sloan, who was one of the women who came forward about John Conyers, and then leader Nancy Pelosi put out a statement saying, I believe Melanie Sloan. Yeah. Not, By the way, if you haven't seen that, John Conyers. if you haven't seen that, we have the video up, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. You can watch the whole interview with Melanie. We put the whole thing out. Uh, you know, related to that, we talked about this yesterday uh, a little bit, uh, where Donald Trump is now serial sexual predator, Donald Trump, uh, is now suggesting that the Access Hollywood tape, which came out during the campaign, of course, where he bragged about forcibly kissing women and forcibly grabbing their genitals, um, and he apologized for it, admitted it was him, and apologized for it during the campaign. Now he's telling people he's not sure that the Access Hollywood tape is real. Oh my he God. thinks it might be a fake tape. Now, Sarah Huckabee Sanders denied that, and yet the New York Times reporting again this morning that privately that's what the, that's what the president is telling people, and he's going to challenge that tape. Access Hollywood, the show yesterday, actually put out a, uh, a, put out a statement saying, Oh, no, 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 no. This is the tape is real and we've got it. But you know, there are voice recognition systems that can prove that. that Look, when I call my financial advisor company, whatever, sure. right? They have a thing that I have to repeat a sentence or phrase before at the beginning of the call. It's Wait, a really? recording. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, and I say it and they know it's me. It's like that eye thing at the airport, right? Sure. This is your voice. They, they can tell your yeah. voice, right? Not to mention, he admitted to it. <laughs> and he admitted to it. All right. So he is challenging that. And also, according to the New York Times, again, front page this morning, the uh, Donald Trump is now suggesting uh, that still he doesn't believe that Barack Obama was born in the United States. After Jesus. leading the birther movement for five years, right, and after getting in so much hot water over that, as such a racist thing to do, in, at the end, toward the end of the campaign last fall, he came out and held a news conference at Trump Tower and said, Barack Obama was born in the United States, period. That was in September. In yeah. September, okay. Trump I Tower. accept that, yeah. right? And now he's back to telling people, yeah, he's not sure that Obama was born here after all. So he's back. To, I mean, he keeps keeps perpetuating this these myths, these lies, this fake news. Um, there's something mentally wrong with this man. Seriously, yeah. seriously, yes. yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, you're right. That is true. Uh, I want to go back to the uh, to the uh, aborted meeting yesterday. By the way, again, uh, I believe Chuck and uh, Nancy were were did the right thing in not showing up. Um, and uh, Chuck Schumer made it clear yesterday uh, we'd be glad uh, to meet with him otherwise, but the tweet, Chuck Schumer talking about, the tweet that came out was just not true and screwed any chance of a, a successful meeting. We had hoped to make progress with the administration on these issues in a meeting this afternoon. Unfortunately, this morning, instead of leading... The president tweeted a blatantly inaccurate statement and then concluded, I don't see a deal. Yeah, right. 
uh, concluded that, and then uh, by an accurate statement, saying, of course, that they just wanted to flood the country with illegals uh, uh, and, and and were weak on crime, uh, and uh, uh, and didn't want to make any, and, and and wanted to raise taxes. So uh, Donald Trump goes ahead with a meeting. And he has Mitch McConnell over on one far side of the table, Paul Ryan over on the other far side of the table. And then he sits there in one of the stupidest moves of all, um, worthy of a maybe fourth, fifth, or sixth grader. He sits in the middle of the table with two empty chairs, one on either side of him. They decided not to show up. Uh, They've been all talk and they've been no action. And now it's even worse. Uh, Now it's... Not even talk. Uh, no, yeah. All action, no talk. All talk, no action. Not even talk now. And he says, and back to this thing, they just want to flood this country with illegals. That's that. This is his response to the dreamers. If that happens, I would absolutely blame the Democrats. If it happens, it's going to be over illegals pouring into the country, crime pouring into the country, no border wall, which everybody wants. I got elected everybody wants. because of a border wall. Yeah, everybody wants a border wall. Everybody wants a border wall, right? By the way, the Dreamers, of course, which at one time he promised to take care of. Yeah, right. Because he said they were different. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Now these are the illegals <laughs> flooding across the country and bringing all this crime uh, into this country. Uh, if there were ever a childish move, it was sitting there with the two empty chairs alongside of him. Uh, and I encourage you just to go on Twitter and look at the responses. Total, talk about a move that was, again, adolescent, childish, actually, and backfired. Um, the tweets on that were so funny. Just a picture of him sitting there yeah, looking very <clears throat> angry with two of the empty chairs. Um, I saw one photo where somebody had filled the empty chairs with two KKK members. You would have been more comfortable. With their white robes and hoods. Sure. Uh, one of them had uh, the Chris Christie sitting in his beach chair uh, alongside of Donald Trump. That's pretty good. <laughs> that was really funny alongside of Donald Trump. <laughs> um, uh, my my favorite was that somebody put out that, that, uh, that photo and then and asked the question, who farted? <laughs> I don't know. Fart jokes. I always like fart jokes. <laughs> uh, but it really backfired. And again, it just showed that the great deal maker, the guy who was going to be his, he was going to bring all those skills from the business world into the White House and bring both sides together and get so much done. He hasn't gotten anything done. And he's incapable without those kind of tactics. Uh, and antics of making a deal. Uh, Very intelligent person. Yeah, that's him. And then Mitch McConnell, of course. Uh, <laughs> you know, the lies get contagious. You know, right? Uh, the lying gets contagious. Mitch McConnell says, "How dare they show up? I never, never refuse to go to a meeting with uh, Barack Obama." Well, let me say, I never refused to go to a meeting that President Obama called. Hmm. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, Steny Hoyer. The number two ranking Democrat uh, in the House pointed out last year that uh, that is uh, pointed out yesterday, rather, that that's not true at all. Um, At one point that uh, Hoyer mentioned, Mitch McConnell said that that Republicans were too busy on the Hill. I remember that. They were too busy, they said, to meet with President Obama uh, and Democratic leaders down at the White House. Oh, yeah, the Hill has a great piece about former uh, Obama staffers and former McConnell staffers who both said, like, 
Yeah, he would just lie and say, oh, we're too busy to meet with him. Mm-hmm. You right. know? <laughs> That's That shouldn't be breaking news. I mean, we never saw Barack Obama and Mitch McConnell palling around. No. Hey, one other little media item uh, that's worth mentioning is CNN announced yesterday um, they are going to uh, not show up for this year's Christmas media Christmas party uh, at the White House. It's sort of like Chuck— You know it's serious when the media's not showing up for parties. Well, it's sort of like Chuck and Nancy not showing up right for the meeting yesterday— uh, I was, why would CNN show up at the Christmas party after Donald Trump has attacked them, particularly most recently, even CNN International, yeah. uh, and has been calling them a fake news network? Uh, it, would, it would have been a little awkward, shall we say. Uh, but I'll tell you what is also awkward is um, that there used to be, um, for the last, under President Clinton, President Bush, President Obama— so that's 24 years. Sure. But for the media, there have been two Christmas parties or holiday parties, whatever you want to call them, both in the evening, one for print people and the other for broadcast radio and, and, and TV. And I've gone to a lot of them, right? And they were in the evening. They were like, you know, seven to nine or six to eight or whatever. Very festive president was there, you get your photo taken with the president, and all of your colleagues are there. And the White House staff is all there, and it's a kind of a fun time. This year, uh, no. There is. There are not two parties. There's one. Uh, they're not in the evening. It, there's one party, and it is Friday <laughs> afternoon, this Friday afternoon, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, happy awful. Holiday. Yeah, happy. It, it, just, <laughs> just disgusting. You know, Sarah Sanders' favorite <laughs> dueling partner at the briefings, April Ryan, yeah. didn't even get an invite. Oh, no. Yes. Hey, look, well, when it comes to getting tanked at Christmas parties in the middle of a day on a Friday, you leave that to us, man. That's yeah, what the Bill Press show does do. for their Christmas yeah. party. All right. I didn't realize what you just said, Jamie, but I want you to know April's not alone. I didn't get invited. Uh, oh, no. You know, go to the briefings. I have a hard pass. I have a White House pass. I did not get invited. You were really looking forward to getting that picture with you and and Donald and Melania. I had decided that if I were invited, uh, I was going to go but not get my picture taken. I was going to go and scarf up the food, drink the booze, particularly the eggnog. The eggnog is good. By the but way, not I, get my picture taken. Let me just point out, for those of you that weren't invited or who, and who aren't going, the White House eggnog recipe is online. Just throw a, a Google on it. Just look for the White House eggnog recipe. It is good. I made it last year at home. Did, it was delicious. You, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll, no. it'll get your toe yeah, up. You, you, guys, come on. Donald Trump is going to get the McDonald's eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> no official White House yeah. recipe needed. Folks, folks, I have eggnog McFlurries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but it's just disgusting. They're making a joke of the whole thing. Oh, man, I got to tell you. All right. Uh, And what about this A Dreamers program? Because of what happened yesterday, is there any chance that it will be resolved before the end of the year? Elise Foley joins us from HuffPost, politics and immigration reporter. Coming up next right here on uh, The Bill Press Show. Stay with us. Thank you very much, Nancy, Chuck. Appreciate it very much. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show.
live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And here we are on a Wednesday, Wednesday, November uh, 29. Uh, hello, everybody. Great to have you with us. The Bill Press Show, booming to you live coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we're brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers, the great men and women of the AFT, making a difference in our classrooms every day doing the Lord's work. You bet. We thank them for their uh, great work and uh, their support of the program under uh, leadership of President Randy Weingarten. Check out their website at AFT.org. Elise Foley joins us from uh, HuffPost uh, to talk about uh, immigration, um, the status of immigration, the possibility of a deal on the Dreamers. Hello, Elise. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Uh, But those of you just joining us, we want to bring you up to date on the pretty stunning breaking news of the morning just happened about 10 minutes ago. Well, actually about a half an hour ago. Yeah. Uh, and we just learned it from watching the monitors on television. Peter, the news. Savannah Guthrie went on air this morning to let people know that Matt Lauer has been fired from NBC News. Host the, of the Today Show. Host of the Today Show uh, for a sexual harassment allegation from the reading directly from the statement from Andrew Lack, the NBC News president. He says, on Monday night, we received a detailed complaint from a colleague about inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace by Matt Lauer. Says that it is a clear violation of company standards. As a result, we have decided to terminate his employment. While it's the first complaint about his behavior in the over 20 years he's been at NBC News, we were also presented with reason to believe this may not have been an isolated incident. So he is gone. Right. Uh, So there is uh, no suspension. with or without pay, uh, no timeout. Um, th- he's boom. he's gone. He's done. Yeah, he's out. Right. This is the fastest we've seen on this on, kind of reaction, right? I, with, I've not noticed anything faster with anybody. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and also, it must have been must have been serious. Yeah, I, wonder I would if imagine we'll find out. so. And and I mean the the speed at which it moved and the way that they kept it. I mean, look, I mean, they, they, they did apparently what they needed to do, but like this happened on Monday night. They spent essentially a day looking into it, and then Wednesday morning, he's out. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Rose took not a long time, but a no. couple of days, but yeah. at first it was suspended pending a review or something with this. Boom. Announcement. Out of a job. Right. Um, if only that applied uh, to the United States Congress, at least. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was just thinking one of the things that made the Charlie Rose stuff different than Matt Lauer is that that came out in the media first instead of a complaint. Apparently, this was a complaint directly to the bosses at NBC. However, in Congress, we've had these things that have involved complaints directly to the bosses that have not resulted in the same. So it's it's interesting. We hold our media figures to a, a high standard. Yeah. These days. You know, and it's, on it's that point, uh, Melanie Sloan, who was one of the women who came forward again, uh, by first the first one to come forward by name uh, with allegations about uh, John Conyers inappropriate um, behavior behavior um, she made the point yesterday she was in studio with us that each of these congressional offices is like a little fiefdom right where they the member runs his or her office the way they want for the most part as very little oversight or control and and if someone wants to file a complaint, as she tried to do like 20 years ago, they're 
ignored or left at, or she was called mentally unbalanced uh, yeah. by a senior staffer when she went to, 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 her, to her, a woman in her office, her superior, with a complaint. Uh, I mean, even still, imagine being like a woman working in the White House. You know, heaven forbid you you are sexually harassed or sexually assaulted or whatever. Like, I can't imagine that they've created an environment there where you feel comfortable and safe coming out to, like, talk about what happened. Who would you go to? Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, and imagine also uh, you were not a staffer so much as, like, an intern. Yeah. Yeah. The interns have no protection, no recourse whatsoever. Yeah, and the White House has taken, you know, sexual harassment allegations very seriously if they come from Democrats. But if they come from one of their own, it's, you know, oh, well, we don't we don't know. We'll let the voters of Alabama decide about, you Mm -hmm. know, obviously with Trump himself, it's, you know, all of it's fake. All of it is the women lying. Um, So, yeah, I mean, if I was in the White House, something happened to me, I wouldn't say anything. Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to go to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, hey, we live in hell. Good morning. <laughs> yes. Uh, there we are. Um, so we thought yesterday uh, there was always a possibility that as part of the, the government runs out of money December 8th, they're going to have to either shut it down or make a deal. Uh, and that there's, there's always raised the possibility that as part of that deal, uh, they could do something about the Dreamers program, which is on hold uh, until Congress decides by at least – this time until next they've got until next March to decide what to do about it um that the possibility of a deal kind of fell through yesterday Elise yeah so um (laughs) I guess the quick recap is that it was there was supposed to be a meeting with Schumer Pelosi Ryan and McConnell uh with Trump yesterday afternoon but then Trump tweeted that he was having this meeting with Chuck and Nancy and that he basically that he no he didn't see a deal coming out of it and that, you know, they wanted to have illegal immigrants streaming across the borders. Um, flooding. They yeah. want illegal immigrants flooding into our country unchecked. Right. And so if that was a reference to this uh, dreamer issue, that doesn't sound promising at all. That's that is not really the way that people frame it. If they have any support for letting people stay, if they came as young people um, or as children. And so it, you know, basically, Democrats said, we're not going to go to this meeting. You're not taking it seriously. We'll meet with Republicans directly. Republicans said, no, we'll meet with the president. And now we're in this whole mess where Democrats, you know, they, they say they're, they'll negotiate with Republican leaders. And um, that's been going on. So maybe it's still going on. But uh, it puts everybody in kind of a everybody's dug in their heels. And now we're in a bad position uh, a week uh, and a half out. So uh, yesterday uh, when they did have them, he had the meeting with uh, Ryan and McConnell at the White House. Uh, the president, once again, sitting there with the two empty chairs, one on either side of him, uh, talked about uh, this issue, raised this issue of immigration as the the reason why um, he, he could never make a deal with them. Here he is. If that happens, I would absolutely blame the Democrats. If it happens, it's going to be over illegals pouring into the country, crime pouring into the country, no border wall, which everybody wants. I got elected partially because of a border wall. Right. So here it is again, the border wall. Everything comes back to the border wall. There's a terrorist attack on a synagogue, I mean on a mosque in the northern Sinai, and that proves that we need a border wall in the United States. 
right? Yeah. Uh, halfway around the world. Um, so is he using doing this to negotiate to get money for the border wall in this budget deal? I mean, potentially, I think it's also just sort of playing back to his base and saying, you know, this is all the things that his base that he loves to say to get people um, riled up is uh, immigration, crime, uh, Democrats want to raise your taxes. Uh, Those are like three of his biggest things. And so um, I think he kind of vacillates between uh, wanting to please them. And I, you know, I don't who who knows what he personally even thinks about anything, (laughs) but um, and, uh, you know, at the times that he says, I want to help the dreamers, I think they're good people. He might mean that at the time, too. But you can't frame all immigration and this dreamer issue around criminals streaming in, into the country and still get a result. Right. No, I mean, he does. We, we mentioned earlier in the program. He has said these dreamers are special people. I, I make an exception for them. I want to help them. And then yes, he seemed to be referring twice in his tweet and at that statement we just heard, to the Dreamers as part of this illegals flooding into the country and bringing crime into the country. Yeah, at the very least, I mean, I think, you know, maybe a lot of people make this distinction sort of that these are are good people, these ones who are here, um, but if we do anything to help them, that's going to encourage more people to come. And, you know, in in that case, then you can't do anything. So what is their status now? So their current status is that um, some of them, a lot of them, were able to renew um, who were set to expire their status. Their status was set to expire before March 5th. Um, The March 5th deadline, though, is sort of misleading in the fact that some people were not able to renew. Some people um, didn't get their applications in on time. They... um, had only a month to do it. Uh, it's a four hundred and ninety-five dollar fee. So if you're, you know, a student, you're helping, you're paying for your college, you're helping support your family. That's like, that's a lot of money. And yeah, so um, yeah. some people didn't do it. Some people weren't able to do it. And those people are already losing their status. Um, they are. There's uh, an estimate of from CAP uh, Center for American Progress that it's something like one hundred and twenty people a day already losing it. So. You know, there, there's how many total in the uh, of the dreamers? And again, I think we all know, but just repeat: these are these are young people who were brought here by yeah. their parents when they were children. Yeah, right? so you, you're not, not eligible unless you came before you were 16. Before 16, so. okay, and most of them were a lot younger than that. Yeah, a lot they? of them are, you know, a few Toddlers months, are... like five years old. Right. Um, right. How many in the in the program? So uh, over the whole course of the program, there were about 800,000 people approved for it. At the time that Trump ended it, there were closer to about 700,000 mm-hmm. current mm-hmm. recipients. And that's for various reasons. Some people, you know, found some other type of legal status, things like that. But you say now, uh, according to Center for American Progress, 120 people a day of that 700,000 are losing their status because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, people's status is set to expire, you know, all the time. People have it expire renew. every day, and they didn't didn't renew. Um, and so, you know, this idea that we have, oh, we have until March 5th is not really true. It's pretty urgent. So what would what if Congress does not act by March 5th? At that point, then all of those people were unable to apply to renew, not eligible to apply all to renew. All of them are eligible or subject to deportation? Deportation? Well, not exactly. So people's 
permits don't expire until they were set to expire. So if you have a permit that's mm, set to expire in you know 2019, it still expires in 2019. However, if your permit was set to expire on March 6th, you were not allowed to, you're not eligible to renew it. And so, yes, on that day, you, I guess, you know, you need to quit your job um, and you're eligible to be deported. And the administration says it's not going to go after these people, which is probably true. I don't want to, you know, spread the fear that they are going to do that, but they have all of their information and they've shown yeah. that they're willing to, you know, go after people that they might not have initially been targeting. So it's a, it's a scary prospect for all of these people. No, the uh, their past practice has been to, you know, increased ICE raids and mm-hmm. and others and deportations. Um, so why wouldn't they go after these if they're here illegally? Yeah, and, the, and I mean the big issue too is if even if you're somebody who's you know not committed any crimes, not you know yeah. just totally living kind of quiet life. If you live in the same apartment building, say, as somebody who has committed a crime and then ICE comes to your door by accident or something, then they might pick you up, too. And then they say, oh, this is person is collateral. And uh, we, you know, we weren't going after them, but that's, you know, too bad. So, is yeah, there, there's dreamers who could be caught up in that. And I think would. Is there any Republican support for the Dreamers, c- continuing the Dreamers program or saving the Dreamers program or protecting the Dreamers. Or is this Supposedly, st- there's a lot. Um, yeah, well, where are they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are people who have sponsored, uh, signed on to the Dream Act, um, which is the bill that uh, started in 2001, never has passed both houses or uh, both chambers. Um, so there are Republicans who signed on to that. There are Republicans who have their own bill. Um Carlos Curbelo, who's from a congressman from Florida, said that he wouldn't vote for something, um, a budget spending deal without um, something to address dreamers. But mm-hmm. he's the only one um, thus far. And and so and then there's been a lot of people who have paid lip service to it and have, you know, sort of said we should do something. This is important. We we have to do something. But, you know. Uh, not shown a super high level of urgency about it. I mean, I think that's the issue is that like, yeah, okay, like you want to do something. And, you know, I think, you know, they have working groups. They're working on something. But how soon do they forget? And so maybe we see something on March 4th or something because they see that as a deadline. But it's hard to say. They they drop so Uh, many balls. I mean, right. I know. And the the White House position keeps changing. I mean, I've heard Sarah Huckabee Sanders at the White House a couple of times say, well, we think there has to be, we don't want to talk about the dreamers. We think there has to be comprehensive Which, like, immigration okay. reform. That's yeah, well. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, when there has been comprehensive immigration reform put forward by either George W. Bush mm-hmm. or Barack Obama, they didn't exactly rush to support it, Republicans right, and- in Congress. Yeah, and um, you know the the problem is they say comprehensive immigration reform, and it doesn't mean what the definition of that has, what they're saying doesn't mean the definition of comprehensive immigration reform that has been sort of widely accepted. The shorthand for you know changing the legal immigration system, um, you know, some immigration enforcement stuff, border stuff, but also some sort of path to legal status um, for the entire undocumented population. Well, you know excluding some some of them but uh they do not 
mean that. What they mean is comprehensive reform that, you know, cuts legal immigration in half, makes it so that people can't bring over their family members, um, you know, the, makes it so that the the border, they have their border wall, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, right. it's it's like yeah, a restrictionist yeah. For wish now, list their definition would include the border wall. Uh, and probably twice as many guards as we have there now or something. You know, it's always- Yeah, which which Border Patrol has not been able to hire, so it's kind of a, a moot point on that front. Yeah. You've also written about um, uh, uh, the problems with the, uh, immigrants with disability mm-hmm. that they've gone after. How, how yeah. so? No- so there was this really um, kind of wild case in Texas of this little girl, um, I believe, 10 years old, um, who has cerebral palsy and uh, also had to go for an emergency surgery. Um, and they transferred her in an ambulance. They drove her from a hospital uh, in Corpus Christi, I believe, her um, to uh, San Antonio. And to go, I, a lot of people, I think, don't realize this, Border Patrol uh, operates up to 100 miles in from the border. So people who live near the border have to go through checkpoints. This is not, you know, talking about going through a checkpoint from the U.S., from oh. Mexico to the U.S. This is, is within in, the U.S. Inside the U.S. Yeah. yeah, and so they go through a checkpoint. Um, they Border Patrol checks their info, finds out that she is undocumented, and follows them to the hospital, waits outside, uh, according to her attorneys, waits outside the hotel, or not hotel, mm-hmm. the hospital room while she has her surgery. They say she... They followed her to all her tests, followed her to surgery. And then after um, she got out, they detained her, treated her as an unaccompanied minor, even though she's been living here with her parents since she was very, very young. Um, and, the they, you know, they say here. that they don't have that flexibility. Exactly. The parents, her parents yeah. brought her here. And they say that, you know, we have to. This is the law. This is how we have to follow it. That's that's not been the case in the past that, you know, they are that level of rigid they they have some level of discretion like all police do police don't go after every car they see speeding they um you know pick and choose based on what they in their expert opinion think is important and and border patrol they've kind of uh acted as if they don't have you know any level of that discretion and where is she now she has been released, and now she's back with her parents. Back with her parents. But, you know, the, it, it's not over. Even when people get released, often they're typically still in some level of deportation proceedings. I mean, how heartless can you get, right? Well, and it's just they... such bad PR. <laughs> You'd think that yeah. somebody would just think, like, this is going to get out, and maybe this is a bad idea. Uh, it looks so bad. It's uh, not. Uh, yeah, and I'm good for you for, for writing the story so more people know about it. But uh, did they really think that she's a threat to our security, this 10-year-old girl who's I mean, going I, in for surgery, right? I, I think that the I, idea, right, is that the, you have to— The money to, that you have two guards following yeah. her around inside the hospital from procedure to procedure because they think she's going to do what? And according to, to the, the, her attorney, they showed up when they did dis- discharge her. They showed up with more, I think, four Border Patrol people or something like that to take her. And it's, yeah, it's it's kind of wild that they don't, didn't think of the PR implications. But no, I mean, I don't think the argument is that she's a threat. The argument is that um, by not going after someone like her, they're encouraging more people like her to come to the U.S. Right. 
so you cover this issue you've, for, you've been covering for a long time. What is your best guess as to what's going to happen before the end of this year on the Dreamers pro- Dreamer program? <laughs> Will it be part of a budget deal to keep the government running? I really don't know. I mean, I think the Democrats have seemed to be very united behind the they want it in there. Would they shut down the government if it's not? I, I don't know. Some of them have said that they would, but then others have been kind of shaky on it. Um, and they kind of say they want something. I wonder if it'll end up being something, you know, kind of vague that they get in there, like, we're going to address it soon. I don't know what that would look like. Um, but I, I guess my guess would be, mm, it's so hard to guess. It uh, would be probably not um, by the end of the year. But I, I think I, I don't know how. I think if, if you have cave. to um, uh, decide or speculate on the issue of whether Congress will achieve whatever the issue is, this or that, before the end of the year, the safe bet is no. And the safe bet on immigration is always no. Yeah, on immigration. Exactly. Any time of any season, it's always no on immigration. Hey, Elise, thanks for bringing us up to date. Great Thank to you. see you at HuffPost.com. And we'll be this right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And uh, today's breaking news, one more major media figure, one more leading uh, network anchor fired over allegations of sexual harassment. We're talking about Matt Lauer, host uh, for a couple of decades of uh, The Today Show. Hello, everybody. On this Wednesday, November 29, it is the Bill Press Show. Great to see you today, and thanks so much for joining us uh, as we tackle the big news of the day. Uh, as it's happening, it seems, more and more, uh, and all the goings-on at the White House and at the Congress yesterday here on Capitol Hill. That's where we are, uh, our studio on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol Building, bringing you uh, the news of the day, our comments, uh, the all the information uh, that we get and insights from our guests as well, and then asking you to weigh in, inviting you to weigh in with your comments on Twitter about the news of the day. Send us your comments, of course, at BP Show. Uh, we've got lots and lots to talk about, including some of the implications of the tax cut bill, which passed the Senate Budget Committee yesterday, uh, and to help us through that, uh, Jenny Lair-Stein is a disability rights advocate. That's one aspect of the bill we haven't talked about yet. So, Jenny, it's nice to see you. Thank you so much for coming in today. Well, thank you for inviting me in to talk about this important topic. Okay, and we will get right to it again. Your comments on walk, uh, welcome on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, but 
first. Peter always starts with the big headlines of the day. Yes, indeed. Just a couple other stories. Making news. Now, if you're eating outside or eating at a picnic or something like that, and the Uh fly lands on your food. Remember, there's 17 million flies for every human being on on the planet. I remember that. Would you, do you have a problem still eating that food? Like if you saw yeah. a fly land on it, would you still yeah. eat it? Yeah. Well, mm, I guess I have in the past, but I mean, I do have a problem with it. All right. Well, here's the thing. We think of it as a nuisance and it's not very mm. pleasant, right? But a new team oh. of researchers from Penn State says that it's actually way grosser than we thought. More than 350 kinds of bacteria were found in the bodies of houseflies, including E. coli and salmonella. And the blowfly actually carries a type of bacteria that causes stomach ulcers. And because they're flies, they carry it on their bodies, their legs, and their wings. So if they do land on your food, it's actually way more dangerous than we thought. We just thought it was kind of like, ew, gross. But, like, you could get very sick from it. All right. All the more reason. Yeah. No, thank you. Just be careful. Thanks be careful. for the warning. All right. A new book out from Emma Byrne. She is a scientist. She has a new book called... Good for you, the amazing science of bad language. And she says that if you're feeling stressed out, if you're feeling a little too, uh, you know, tired of, of work or whatever, the news or whatever, just swear. Just swear. If you keep it bottled up, it's really bad for you. She, like I said, she wrote a whole book about it called Swearing is Good for You, the Amazing Science of Bad Language. She said, so many people are brought up to see swearing as degenerate, as a sign of poor vocabulary. But, in fact, the science contradicts those beliefs. This is why I'm such a happy man. I guess so. And such a well-balanced man. I guess so. Yeah, and don't have any, you know, hang-ups or anything because um, I swear a lot. And one final story. Not on the air. Not on the air. Well, I have. Damn it. But. Uh, One final story. We (laughs) talked earlier this week about the volcano eruption in Bali. It's still shutting down airline travel around the world. Uh, But, but, this is fascinating. These volcano or volcanic eruptions could actually cool the planet. They spray out ash particles and gases like sulfur dioxide, which form compounds that reflect sunlight, therefore cooling the planet. So it's just a temporary thing. It's just yeah, a temporary right, thing, to right. be clear. It's not like we're reversing climate change or anything but, like that. But yeah, but the cost of cooling the planet is you get all this ash. <laughs> you know, the ash in the air. Right, which is, don't go which is not necessarily go. good for you either, yeah. right? as the people of Pompeii and, <laughs> and other places have learned. Precisely. <laughs> All right. On TV and online, this is the Bill Press Show. Hey, hello everybody on a Wednesday, November 29. Uh, Here we go with the Bill Press Show. Great to have you with us today as we uh, reach out to you coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. That's where we start out, but we end up right alongside of you. Uh, Whether you are watching or listening today, uh, joining us on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, coast to coast, of course. And don't forget, subscribe while you're there. Hit that little subscribe button and become a regular follower of The uh, Bill Press Show. You'll hear from us several times a day with all kinds of updates and and good videos we send out. Uh, We're looking at you on Free Speech TV. Great to see you there in TV land. 
and on the great WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago. Proud to be um, your morning partner as you're uh, either getting up, getting started, or getting off to, uh, off to work. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, you're part of the program. We want to hear from you. Your comments always welcome uh, online at BP Show. Uh, yes, the big news story of the day, Matt Lauer, host of the Today Show on NBC, fired on the spot today, this morning. Uh, the Today Show started off without him, and they made, uh, Savannah Guthrie made the stunning announcement that he had been fired. You could tell that they were sh- somewhat shaken because they just learned that this morning. Uh, we'll get more into that uh, just a little bit later. But the other big story of the news of the day is uh, that the Senate Budget Committee yesterday, as expected, uh, did pass on a strict party-line vote, not one Democrat voted for it, uh, the Senate tax bill, which now goes to the floor uh, Thursday or Friday for a big vote. Uh, Jenny Lair Stein is a disability rights advocate uh, who is in to talk about uh, some aspects of that uh, of that bill. Again, Jenny, nice to see you today. Thanks for coming in. Oh, thank you for having me on this important topic. What would this bill mean for th- those Americans? And what would you say? How many millions of Americans have some kind of disability? Well, I. I think probably a fairly accurate number in terms of the number of Americans who are impacted by disability is that 59 million Americans actually are challenged by disability. But that number expands exponentially because we are also talking about the incredible families, supporters, and caregivers that that support these people with disabilities. Right. But even that number is huge, right? And that's a physical disability or eyesight disability like yourself, right? Um, Yes, I, I have I have a physical disability, which is blindness, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, occurred as a result of uh, something that is called an, an orphan disease. It's called retinitis pigmentosa that has robbed me of my vision over the last 40 years. 40 years, right. Um, and so what would the impact of this bill have on these 52 million Americans plus their extended friends and family and caregivers? Well, unfortunately, both the House and the Senate bills uh, really provide... Uh, a very grim future view for Americans with disabilities. Uh, The Senate bill that is uh, on the table today or in the next few days Mm -hmm. um, has as one of its provisions uh, elimination of the mandate for health and care insurance coverage, um, which is kind of an end run to uh, eliminate the Affordable Care Act that the community of Americans with disabilities have fought so hard to, to keep in place. Right. Um, uh, and are taking advantage of today, right? I mean, I, I mean, absolutely. In, I, I don't mean in any unfair sense, but the, the, there's an opportunity there for them to get health insurance, which they haven't been able to afford before. Well, thanks to the Affordable Care Act, millions of Americans, including many, many Americans with disabilities, have had the opportunity to obtain health care insurance coverage for the first time. And that's particularly relevant to our community because there have been uh prohibitions against uh, insuring people with pre-existing conditions. These are very often people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Right. So that you found uh, uh, as a disabled person, if you applied for insurance, right, for health insurance, and let's say you could afford a minimum plan, that often people would be turned down because of some pre-existing condition. Before 
the yeah, Affordable right. Care Act. That's correct. But with the passage of the Affordable Care Act, uh, people with pre-existing conditions were included. And so we were able to qualify for and obtain health care insurance coverage. The Senate bill uh, in this Tax Reform Act, which is not a health act, but a tax bill reform act has the effect of increasing exponentially the cost of premiums for people who are trying to obtain health care insurance. And the Congressional Budget Office has estimated that within 10 years, 13 million more Americans will be uninsured. Uh, Will they be uninsured or will they have to just buy insurance uh, on their own uh, from some other carrier? Well, that is a very fine point because the increase in the cost of premiums and the uncertainty about whether this inclusion of people with pre-existing conditions is then something that will be very much up for grabs. So we, we want to ensure that the Affordable Care Act continues, and uh, we also want to ensure that Americans with disabilities and their families, their supporters, and others who are uh, marginalized groups have the ab- ability to obtain health care insurance coverage. So this is, it seems to me, is an entire uh, population uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people involved here. We're talking about 60 million plus. Um, and, you know, Kaiser, uh, they've got their lobbyists in town, right? Um, the, the American Hospital Association, they've got their lobbyists in town. Big Pharma, God knows, they've got all their lobbyists in town fighting for what they want in this bill or what they don't want in this bill. Um, Who speaks for the disabled community? You know, it has been remarkable, and I actually have to say that I have never been prouder um, of being a part of the community of Americans with disabilities because commencing right after the election last year, um, Americans with disabilities really rose up. And uh, I heard one journalist recently say that while the cavalry used to ride in on horses, these days they roll in in wheelchairs <laughs> because the community of Americans with disabilities have showed up. And I believe the reason that we still have the Affordable Care Act despite all of the attacks that have been made against it. It's largely due to the grassroots efforts of people just like me. Mm-hmm. There, were people, there were people during that fight uh, who were showing up in their wheelchairs and getting carried out by Capitol Police because, you know, it was, it was too much for these Republicans to ha- actually have to deal with. There were mothers of children who were disabled who were showing up and saying, like, what are you doing? We have these kids that are... That, that, that need help and it's just like when you are confronted with that as a politician it's really hard to look back at someone and and say no no we're going to take away your rights you're absolutely right peter and maybe one of the best examples of that are are two mothers from louisiana they call themselves the trache mamas one is a republican and one is a democrat and both of them have children who depend on life-sustaining support equipment and they came by bus from louisiana to make their case, which is a nonpartisan wow. case, that health care insurance coverage is necessary and should be available to all Americans. Um, as to what politicians must think, if you just look at it the other way, look at the incredible opportunity we have to really build this country kind of from the ground up by including people with disabilities instead of excluding them, instead of making these provisions that marginalize people who really want to be equal participants in society. 
is there one any one organization you 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 mentioned the this grassroots movement with certainly that and we've certainly seen that with those demonstrations outside of the Capitol when the repeal of Obamacare was originally being considered, right? Many people from the um, uh, uh, Americans with disability who were, as you, as you mentioned, part of it. But uh, I, I just wonder, is there a big organization or is it is it all just grassroots? Well, I think there are a huge number of organizations that are related to disability rights advocacy that have been active in this. Um, the, the one of the largest organizations is the American Association of People with Disabilities. Mm-hmm. There's another organization called ADAPT, uh, the National uh, Organization for the Centers of Independent Living. Um, there are, are, are truly v- volunteers from a variety of nonprofit organizations. And then there are just concerned and interested citizens. You know, we are people who have to face medical expenses. We are people who really want to do what everybody else wants to do. We want an education. We want to own a home. We want to have great jobs and raise our families. And so it, it, it really comes down to each and every family. And you're right, 60 million families plus is a very significant part of this nation. Now, you mentioned, so the repeal of the individual mandate uh, having a particularly negative impact on Americans with disabilities. Are there any other provisions? Uh, it keeps changing, this, Amer- this tax cut bill, which is part of the part of the problem of re- talking about it, reporting on it, responding to it. But as to the extent that we know, are there any other provisions that are particularly troubling? There are several. There is one in both the House and the Senate uh, versions mm-hmm. that uh, eliminates the credit uh, for research into orphan diseases, just like the one that blinded me. In addition, in the House bill, one of the most problematic areas is is that the deduction that has previously been available to individuals who have unreimbursed medical expenses mm-hmm. over 10% of their gross adjusted income, that is going to go away. And we're talking about uh, a huge number of individuals. There were 8.8 million Americans who took advantage of this deduction in 2015. More than 50% of them had uh, incomes of $50,000 or less a year, and almost 75% had incomes of of $70,000 or less a year. And we're talking about things like purchasing wheelchairs for, you know, someone's child who needs a wheelchair to get to school, or a ventilator, or in the case of so many seniors, prescription costs that are not covered by Medicare. Right. I mean, so these, it's it's just so unbelievable. That they that the House Republicans they did vote to do away with that medical expenses um, deduction again. Why? In order to give a tax cut to the wealthiest corporate, the biggest corporations and the wealthiest of Americans, right? Taking this away from people, and these are this is not some vacation in Tahiti, right? right. These are medical ex- necessary medical expenses, uh, and taking it away from the people l- earning less than. Fifty or seventy seventy five thousand dollars a year. It's, Correct. It's there's, just immoral. There's one more provision in the the House version as well that is troubling, and that is that there was a a credit that enabled small business owners to uh, make ADA accommodations available in their small businesses, and that tax credit is also going away. So the underlying mm. message here is not only that people have to pay 
in order to participate in things as necessary as critical medical care, but also that there seems to be an effort underfoot to undercut the Americans with Disabilities Act, which was passed in 1990 and prohibits mm-hmm. discrimination against people with disabilities. No, I was just going to ask you about that. What is the status of the Americans with Disability Act? I mean, yeah, that because that was President George H.W. Bush, as I recall, correct? That's correct. Right. Uh, and has been in place since and has had made a tremendous difference and impact. Uh, is it imperiled today? I am concerned about the future of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, There is a piece of proposed legislation now that places the burden in uh, ADA suits on people with disabilities so that discrimination can exist until a complaint is made. And then there's a grace period for um, the people who are being um, asked to make an accommodation um, or who have discriminated uh, while well, they have an opportunity to rectify this. This is not what the ADA says. The ADA mm-hmm. says that Americans with disabilities are just like everyone else and that we yeah. have the right to inclusion and equal opportunity. So, yes, I'm very concerned. So, final question. What can people do while this tax bill is pending uh, to bring about any changes that might make it a little more fair, particularly for Americans with disabilities? Is there anything they can do? I think there's a lot that every single one of us can do, and I think we need to do it today and tomorrow and until we are sure that every American has the same opportunity to access all of the things that we cherish and value in society. So I think we should be on the phone today Mm -hmm. to our senators. I think we should be in front of the Capitol letting people know that Regardless of whether you use a white cane or you roll in it in your wheelchair, we are viable and valuable members of this community, and we are eager to contribute. And so that these concerns should not be overlooked. Yeah. Amen. And thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are, and uh, thank you for giving us your t- some of your time this morning. Thank hey. you, Bill. You know, the Capitol's not far away. Well, let's get down there and raise hell. <laughs> Jenny Lerstein. Uh, a disability rights advocate. You can reach her and follow you. People can on Twitter uh, at JLS Advocate. JLS Advocate. Thanks, Jenny. It's nice to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and yes, um, oh, kind of some from the sublime to um, the uh, God. Hate to talk about it again, but this issue just simply uh, won't go away. Um, Breaking news this morning since we started the show from uh, NBC News, uh, the announcement made by Savannah Guthrie, uh, who until today was a co-host of the Today Show with Matt Lauer. He's been there some 20 years, no longer, because Peter, bring us up to date. So he is out. He was fired. He is gone. As you mentioned, Savannah Guthrie went on air this morning. That was the first that anybody had heard of it. Uh, Quote, Inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace is what brought him down. Now, since we talked about this about an hour, a little over an hour ago, some more stuff has come out. Uh, Apparently, the New York Times has known about this for a little while. They've been investigating for weeks. And it appears as though uh, this all comes down to Matt Lauer sexually assaulting a female NBC staffer during the Rio Olympics. That is according to Page Six. NBC staffers have told Page Six 
that that is what happened. The staffer who has not been named wants to remain anonymous, complained to NBC bosses on Monday evening. They spent yesterday determining what their options were, how they were going to handle this, and then they decided yesterday afternoon this was it. He couldn't stick around. So uh, here is directly from page six, quote, an NBC staffer came forward with a claim that Matt sexually assaulted her at the Olympics. There have been rumors about Matt having an affair, having affairs with subordinates at NBC for years, but those were believed to be consensual. The situation in Rio was not. So as I mentioned, they decided to fire Matt Lauer late yesterday and they put out a statement saying that not only is he fired, but that they have uh, knowledge, they have reason to believe that this was not an isolated incident for Matt Lauer. So they didn't wait. They they got the one report, and they thought that it was credible enough to let him go. So he right. is out. And two things about this. One is um, the, the speed and severity of the action, right? Um, uh, allegation made Monday night. Review Tuesday, Wednesday, out of a job. Out of a job. Uh, faster than it happened to anybody else that we can think of here. Um, and two, what's also stunning is the contrast, again, between the action taken here. Um, and we've seen several people in the media world, <laughs> Matt Happern, Charlie Rose, Bill O'Reilly, Roger Ailes, yeah. Matt Lauer. Boom. No tolerance. Really? Boom. Out. Out. Uh, and in the business world, to a certain extent, we haven't seen anything on Wall Street yet, but I haven't heard the allegations on Wall Street, but you know they're there. Of course, but certainly they're everywhere. Har- Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey in the, in the entertainment industry, boom, done, out, gone. Um, and what a contrast with Republicans now saying, oh, Roy Moore? Oh, yeah, nine women, nine women making very serious accusations of sexual assault against him. But that's okay. We'll let the people of Alabama decide. At least he's not a Democrat. At least he's not a Democrat. Someone that is not out. Go ahead. I just want to finish. And the contrast with Donald Trump with 14 women. If Melanie Stone told us there was this tape out yesterday with all 14 women speaking, 14 women, and yet Donald Trump just called them liars, denied it happened, and he's president of the United States. As I was going to say, someone that is not out, still yes. in the White House, Sorry. tweeting and reacting to this already this morning. Oh. Donald Trump tweeting just a few minutes ago, wow, Matt Lauer was just fired from NBC for, quote, inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace. But when will the top executives at NBC and Comcast be fired for oh putting out so God. much fake news? Oh, my God. Check out Andy Lack's past. Andy Lack, of course, runs NBC News. Bill, your friend Carol Costello, anchor on Headline News, HLN, responding to this tweet, saying, aren't you the man on that Access Hollywood tape who is supporting Roy Moore at real Donald Trump? Couldn't have said it any better. Good for her. You know, yeah, I mean, enough is enough is enough, right? To take this sexual harassment thing, and this firing of Matt Lauer when NBC did the right thing, right, and then turn that around to attack fake news. Fake news to attack. Look at what's legitimate happening. Legitimate news organizations as fake news. The man is perverted. He is sick. He's demented. Uh, and so, you know, listen. 
<laughs> it just gets me going. But I mean, that's just so obs- obscene to do that to 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 to, to use this incident and this issue, right? To turn it into a political cheap attack on the media. When you are the worst offender. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. Like everybody who does this is bad. Everybody who does. We we are. We are in this country at a moment where everybody is forced to confront like what has been going on for a long, long, long time. Right. And I think that it's really hard for people to watch men to watch and say, like, oh, my God, this is as bad as the women have been telling us. But when you are one of the worst perpetrators of sexual harassment, sexual assault and just like just demeaning women over the course of your career, which he has a long history of doing. Just shut up. Yeah. He's made a career of it. And, you know, uh, the most polite thing you could say is people who live in glass houses. People who live in glass white houses should not throw stones. Bang, bang. Yeah. 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 Shut the hell up. Right. Uh, but let's remember, too, Donald Trump's not off the hook on this. There is, of those 14 women, there is one case that is still pending. It's, it's in New York State before the New York Supreme Court. And this, the decision will come down within... I was told by a leading attorney last night uh, the decision on that will come down within the next maybe couple of weeks, before the end of the year. And that decision is, can this woman sue the president of the United States? Well, that's already been decided. Whatever the New York Supreme Court says, that's going to be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court, in the case of Paula Jones versus Bill Clinton, already decided. Yeah. That when it comes to sexual misconduct, the president, maybe it wasn't limited to that, but that was a case of sexual misconduct. Yes, the president of the United States is not above the law. And as you recall, President Clinton was deposed in the White House, in the map room, and lied about it. And that's that's where they got him. On the impeachment stuff, was sort of lying about Paula Jones. Yeah. Uh, and he'd also lied about Monica Lewinsky, but not under oath. So uh, there is no way, it may take a little while, there's no way that Donald Trump is going to escape. He will be deposed on at least one of these cases, uh, which is still, again, still alive. And uh, I would say if they get him on one case, they can get him on the others. So. Uh, he better be. He better be careful throwing stones. I'd like to add uh, some more news about Donald Trump's Twitter account this oh, morning. Great. So, great. Donald Trump went on a spree of retweeting this morning and retweeting one particular account. The account belongs to Jada Franson. She is the deputy leader of the far right group Britain First, which the Boston Globe reports is quote a small fringe group whose profile was elevated. By Trump's attention, they're a far-right group that opposes multiculturalism and what calls the Islamization of Britain. Some of these tweets are videos, Jada Franson tweeting, video, Islamist mob pushes teenage boy off roof and beats him to death. Video, Muslim destroys a statue of Virgin Mary. Video, Muslim migrant beats up Dutch boy on crutches. Donald Trump retweeted all three of those tweets endorsing essentially a far-right extremist group out of Britain. Well, that's what our president was spending his time 
doing this morning. Uh, yes, but of course that same <sighs> that same person, right? Um, <laughs> um, who hired Steve Bannon as his chief advisor? Yeah, and of course France and Jada, Breitbart. Jada France and this this uh, far right leader responding on Twitter saying Donald Trump himself has retweeted these videos and has around 44 million followers. God bless you, Trump. God bless America. Great. That's great. That's great. They now have the backing of our president. That's great. Boy, I feel wonderful about our country. That's wonderful. Oh, my God. Uh, You know, it Uh, makes you wonder. The question I get from people all the time is, how long can this last? How, you know, not much longer. Just not much longer. You know, some of it is funny, right? You know, in a weird, twisted way. I don't find any of it funny Some of the anymore. stand-up remarks that I he used makes. To. But this but, stuff is just scary and yeah. awful. Right. Yeah. No. Embracing them, you know, the very worst. Uh, oh, God. Maybe the queen will come out and condemn him for it. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> the pope? Or the pope. He's already Somebody done that. Somebody, please, get, get your mans. All right. Well, you know, uh, constitutionally, what can we do? Let's ask Elizabeth Widra from the Constitutional Accountability Center, uh, stepping in to the hot seat here coming up next on the Bill Press Show on this Wednesday, November 29. This country's so much better off with a tax bill that passes with 60 or 70 votes than one that ends up at 50 with the vice president breaking a tie. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. All right, and winding up here on this Wednesday, November 29. Boy, what a big news day it's turned out to be. Here we are, the Bill Press Show from our studio in Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., with a sponsorship today of the United Steelworkers uh, and their international president, the one and only Leo Gerard, uh, fighting to keep those steel jobs uh, here in the United States. Uh, North America, the USW, the Steelworkers, uh, North America's largest industrial union, actually, representing over 1.2 million active and retired members. Check out their website at usw.org. Uh, a lot happening on the legal front <laughs> and on the sexual harassment front. Uh, and we welcome to the studio our good friend from the Constitutionality Accountability Center, Constitutional Accountability Center. Elizabeth Widra. Elizabeth, good to see you. Great to be with you guys. Thank you for uh, coming in. Uh, and uh, we must uh, repeat the breaking news story of the morning occurring during while we were on the air. Uh, NBC dropping the hammer on Matt Lauer. He is out. Are you surprised at the, how fast this the um, the change in responding to allegations of sexual harassment has occurred since Harvey Weinstein. It's really been breathtaking. I mean, I you know, you think about how prevalent this sort of behavior, unfortunately, has been. Um, you know, it's a sliding scale, of course. Not everyone is, um, you know, there. there's a difference in, in, you know, between someone 
trying to you know force themselves on someone and someone saying an inappropriate remark in the office place both are inappropriate and sexual harassment um but i think that there are degrees yes yeah. and you know so much of that has been very prevalent i've certainly experienced it i think I'm almost sure. everyone has and it's really been heartening to see the change that now there are consequences whereas you know, even just as a few months ago <laughs> when that happened, it was sort of like, oh, just brush it off and, you know, get back to work. So um, it's really surprising. And there are legal consequences. Sure. Right? Yeah. You know, but there have been for a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, right. and you yeah. know, the, the cultural shift, I think, is important because sometimes you can't take advantage of those legal protections if you don't think that it's you're going to be protected, you know, if you're going to be retaliated against. And even when there are legal protections, if you know that your career will suffer um, by availing yourself of the legal protections, then a lot of people just don't come forward and they do just try to, you know, get on with it. And so I, I've been really heartened by this. And I think it's finally, you know, showing that some of the culture is catching up with our laws against sexual harassment. But that's the thing that, uh, like, look. You know, I'm a white guy, right? So, like, this is not something that that I, I have been forced to confront my entire professional life, uh, like like it has been for women. But to me, I think you hear story after story after story, and it's not shocking that this happens. Mm -hmm. But what's so shocking to me is that it's so hard to come forward. Oh yeah, and to have anything happen. Mm -hmm. Like, who well, do you talk to? There are stories that have come out. In, in the restaurant industry, the entertainment industry, or the media industry, they didn't have an HR department for mm -hmm. you to even go and talk to. Right. And so uh, that- Like me, Congress. Like Congress. Doesn't yeah, like Congress. Yes. That to yes. me has been like, Doesn't oh Doesn't have to God. be a small mom and pop restaurant. Yes, right. like for sure. Like the United States Congress, right? <laughs> uh, but so for yeah. so many women, there was not a place to go, or if they did, they were ignored, or mm -hmm. uh, as you say, retaliated against, mm -hmm. perhaps. There mm -hmm. are all kinds of- pressures and reasons why women did not come forward. Absolutely. And, you know, you think about the news industry or politics um, in Congress where, you know, it's so important your network and who you know. And, you know, a lot of times you feel pressured to just, you know, uh, go along to get along. And so I think this is really great that now there's pressure from the other side on getting rid of people who are known to be sexual harassers. Right. Uh, your purview, uh, among others, is the uh, Supreme Court of the yes. United States. Uh, an important privacy case before the court this today, week. Today, yeah, this oh, morning. Today. Yeah, What's it's, it all uh, about? It's a very important case about our cell phones and how they relate to protections against unreasonable searches and seizures. So the case is the Carpenter case. And, you know, when you carry your phone around with you, well, like right now. Yeah, um, here we are. Yes. Even if you're not making a phone call or anything, it's constantly pinging cell phone towers. Mm -hmm. And from that information, you can see basically where you are. So it's tracking your location by pinging those cell phone towers. Right. And so the issue is, does the government need a warrant to get that information? Because, you know, it's it's something that they can tell a lot about your personal relationships, your political, religious practices. You know, you can find out a lot by where someone goes. And in this case, in fact, they found the cell phone tower data for this gentleman. And 
then pinned several robberies on him because he was in the area wow. when uh, those robberies occurred. So he wasn't making calls. It was just exactly he, the, he his phone. Yes, assuming he had the phone in his. I've watched possession. a right. lot of Dateline NBC, and I got to tell you, this is how they always get them. <laughs> yes. This yeah, is how right. they always get them. The cell phone towers. So who brought the case? Right. So Carpenter brought the case, the the man who was convicted mm-hmm. of these robberies, and said, yeah. you know, they needed to get a warrant before they got that information uh-huh. because this is yeah. the type yeah. of private information right. that when the founders mm-hmm. wrote the Fourth Amendment, they wanted the government to show probable cause before mm-hmm. they get that information. Right. So it's kind of like another case that the Supreme Court is considering that will bring our kind of Fourth Amendment privacy protections into the digital age. Are they hearing oral, oral arguments today? Yes, this morning. I see. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this. Can you turn your phone off? Can you turn that that um, link off your phone? Gosh. I, I mean, I guess if your phone is off, then... I doubt it. Like airplane mode. Yeah, yes, because you're not you're not sending out any data. You can't receive right. data. Everything's shut off. It could be you could be anywhere. Are you sure? I'm yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I know. Yeah. I'm not sure about anything well, when it no, comes no, no, to no. the government being able to I, access I, I mean, your It's supposed phone. to be. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know there's one. This is. It, yeah, we all have phones. We should know this, but <laughs> right. I know there's one app, or not an app, but one you know little way that you can. Uh, I could let you know. Where I am at any time. Oh, yes. Yeah. When you share yes. your location. Share your location. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You can but definitely turn that yes. off. Oh, right. But that's not what we're talking about. Like, no. It's, no. You're, you know, ta- I know, you're not taking an active step to right. to let the – you have to have the cell phone towers getting this ping in order to right. have your phone be operating. And I think it's it's the very point that we don't, we don't even think about that because no. we don't really have a choice. No. It's our phones right. are I, with I us all right. the time. I, I I would bet that we don't have a choice. That even if a phone is off, you're always pinging, or the, the ability is for mm-hmm. them to track you is there. Right. Don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing you could do is you could leave your phone home. Yes. Right. <laughs> if you were going out to commit a <laughs> robbery, you're going to go rob right, someone. Here's the, take leave the phone at home. Yes. Here's what we've learned at this. Right. If you're right. going to rob a bank, hey, leave I'm always your here phone. with good advice for you. <laughs> That's there That's you go. That's my biggest Bill. takeaway yes. for today. Great. But, then, but, but you know what's interesting to me too is that here is this one guy who's a, alleged at least criminal. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I guess they got some pretty good evidence against him, mm-hmm. right? Who's bringing a case all the way to the Supreme I Court know. that they were violating his privacy. Yes, that's the way it works, you know. We yeah. have that's God how bless we bless America. I exactly. Guess. Right. And you know, everyone and, deserves privacy protections. You know, I think we often when we think about privacy, are like, oh well, the bad guys can have their privacy invaded, yeah. but we don't want our, you know, law-abiding citizens' privacy violated. But you know, you got to have the rules that apply for everyone, because once the government starts violating constitutional rights, you know, first it's people who are, uh, you know, we consider to be criminals. Mm-hmm. Then you know, you never know when you're going to be on the other side of that, and that's why yeah. we have these constitutional protections right. in the first place. Yeah, amen. So, a very important case to, mm. today. Uh, and we'll be watching that with and listening with great interest. Um, th- the biggest legal battle, it seems, in this uh, capital this week, w- which may have been resolved, was mm. over leadership of the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. Yes. Uh, which Richard Cordray, the former director, kind of created this crisis by resigning uh, abruptly on Friday mm-hmm. and appointing his deputy. Yes. As he said, the law allows yes. to be his successor. 
Yeah. Donald Trump didn't like that. He appoints Mick Mulvaney. Mm-hmm. Who thinks the CFPB is a sad, sick joke. So it's, you know, kind of continuing the Trump theme of appointing people to lead agencies that they think shouldn't exist. Yeah, Yeah. you look for the biggest enemy number one of that agency and you put him or her in charge of it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. So this was a big fight and it's uh, it's not fully resolved, but it was uh, at the last minute. You know, this um, this challenge came to the court because Leandra English. So Leandra right. English, who was appointed by Cordray, as you said, as her de- as his deputy director, the Dodd-Frank Act, which created the CFPB after the terrible financial crisis in 2008, uh, which left so many people without their homes, uh, lost millions of dollars um, in assets and really was a failure of the system to protect consumers against these major financial institutions, uh, not surprisingly because they have a lot of lobbyists and give money to politicians. And so they created the CFPB in the Dodd-Frank Act to try to create some independent watchdog to look out for average Americans. And one of the things they wanted was an independent director, as independent as possible. Mm -hmm. And so they wrote the law very clearly that when there is a vacancy in the director position, the deputy director shall serve as the acting director. And so it's a little in the weeds and it's kind of like a law nerd's like dream this, you know, back and forth on on the statutes. But it's really important because. Yeah. Right now, you have Trump being able to put someone in without the check of Senate confirmation. And, you know, he knew that Cordray, he wanted to replace Cordray. Uh, So he could have appointed someone himself. He could have put a name forward. Well, but he isn't it also true that in the in the uh, in the language of the act that he could only he fire Cordray for. Yes, for cause. For cause. As opposed to just, you know. I don't like your policy. Right, right. exactly. And that was, a, that was a key provision to ensure the independence. And he had not fired Cordray. No. And could not have unless Right. Cordray there were, there really something. was no cause and no right. one really, right. you know, um, right. other than uh, doing the job of the CFPB, which apparently the Trump administration doesn't like. <laughs> right. But it's the vacancy that is disputed, right? And who fills that post when it's vacant. Right. So right now you have basically dueling uh, directors and, you know, on Monday morning, they both came to the office. Yeah. Well, one of them had a bag of donuts. Though. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's spo- I guess that's supposed to make it sweeter yeah, when he says, you know, I think all of you should be unemployed because I don't believe in the mission okay. of this agency. Yeah. Right. But it, it, it did go to there was a, pre- a preliminary hearing. And, yes. and what did the judge rule? Didn't he rule that Mulvaney was in charge? So he said that uh, Director English could not get a temporary restraining order maintaining her as the director. So right now, it seems that based on that judge's ruling that Mulvaney is in charge, but the lawsuit is still ongoing because English is still maintaining that she is the rightful director of the CFPB. Um, You know, obviously, this is very confusing because um, both of them are... uh, you know, claiming some authority and the, the good folks at the CFPB are trying to do their job to protect consumers. And you have filed a brief in this case? Yes. Yeah, so we filed a brief. The Constitutional Accountability Center filed a brief on behalf of the drafters and major supporters of the Dodd-Frank Act, uh, including uh, Mr. Frank himself and Elizabeth Warren and uh, many others 
who said, look, we wrote this law. We know that we meant to say that the deputy director shall serve. That's what we wrote. And so Leandra English, not Mick Mulvaney, is the appropriate director. Uh, We were certainly disappointed that the district court judge did not rule that way initially. But uh, we understand that uh, Ms. English is going to continue her fight. Uh, And the director to become the full-time director would would require Senate confirmation. Yes. Correct? Absolutely. So this is another hurdle that Ms. English would have to face is to get even to get Mitch McConnell to schedule a confirmation hearing. Oh, well, she would not She would not be the, oh, oh, the, she would, uh, the uh, actual. So she, it's just whether who gets to be the acting director. The acting. Got right. It, right. And the reason why they wrote the law the way that they did was because they didn't want the president to be able to handpick someone like he did in Mick Mulvaney who will follow his policy preferences without having the check of Senate confirmation, you know, and that's not even that big of a hurdle, like Republicans control Congress. Um, But the Constitution is clear that you need the advice and consent of the Senate in order to permanently appoint someone the head of an agency. And the CFPB, they wanted to ensure, was someone who would have that check of Senate confirmation and a relative degree of independence from the president. Mm -hmm. Uh, But is there any dispute in your mind that the president does have the authority to appoint the new or the director of the CFPB. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's what this is, is so frustrating about. He could he could appoint Mick Mulvaney. He could give his name to the Senate and say, I would like you to appoint him. I mean, to to yeah. consider him, confirm him to the position of director of the CFPB. Right. But the problem is that you that right now he's just put in an acting director who doesn't have that confirmation check. And Congress has worried about this. Again, this is like a little bit nerdy and in the weeds. But Congress has been worried about presidents circumventing their constitutional role and oversight of advising and consenting to any executive branch uh, agency head, these, these important positions in the executive branch, that the Congress is constitutionally required to mm-hmm. uh, advise and consent the president on. Right. And so this has been a concern not just with Trump, but for a while that by putting in acting directors, so you're not actually going through the Senate confirmation process, you can basically get around that. Right. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's another example of Trump ignoring the law. The Dodd-Frank Act is clear. And so a lot of people are saying, like, well, if he can't appoint a director, this is just a temporary fight. Why is there all this kerfuffle about it? You know, just let it go. Um, But I think it's important that we require the president to follow the law. Hello. And it's a slippery slope if we're just like, oh, well, you can temporarily violate the law. It's not, you know, like... Um, you know, we can do more than one right. thing at a time. <laughs> on, on, on that violating the couple of those things I'm going to ask you about, on that violating the law, I'm going to circle back to the sexual harassment mm. um, issue for just a while because um, people think that Donald Trump, who has been accused of similar, if not worse, activity, mm. uh, is out of the woods yet now because while accused, he denied he did anything, called his accusers liars. And since then, he's been elected president of the United States. So he is out of bounds and uh, above the law on Mm. that issue. Mm. Is he? Well, from a criminal liability standpoint, it depends on, you know, statutes of limitations when these actions um, allegedly occurred. 
and in what state. So, you know, there might be a statute of limitations where it's simply been too long since the right. Uh, right. alleged harassment. I'm thinking of the happened. New York case that uh, Gloria Allred represents the woman in that case, which the issue, as I understand it, before the New York Supreme Court now is the tr- Trump, through his lawyers, has said mm-hmm. she can't sue me because I'm president. Right? Hasn't that already been decided? Well, as we, as people might remember from the Bill Clinton Hello. years, yeah. you know that that is not a defense to legal actions against you in all cases. I mean, it's it's a little up in the air uh, whether or not you can uh, criminally prosecute a president while he is sitting president. That's not really decided. Um, there are a lot of people who say that you can't. Uh, there are good arguments, frankly, on both sides. But as we saw from the Clinton case, civil liability is a different matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is is this a civil case or a criminal? I believe it is civil case. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but you know, so, it's there are consequences to your actions, and simply because people voted you in uh, as president doesn't mean that you then can just disregard the law and consider yourself to be above the law. Right. Um, related to that, um, the Robert, so th- there's that little ma- legal matter for Donald Trump up mm-hmm. in New York State. Uh, there's also this legal matter of a criminal investigation on the part of the FBI and a special counsel, Robert Mueller, which, uh, let's not forget, is ongoing. Absolutely. And right? it seems like it's heating up. You know, there's there's a good reason to think that Michael Flynn has flipped on uh, mm-hmm. the Trump team. So, you know, as I, I was during my brief time in private practice, I did some uh, criminal defense work. And, you know, you, when you're involved in something and you're all together, you have these joint defense agreements, which I understand was in place with Flynn and the other folks who were targets of the uh, Mueller oh, okay. investigation. All right. So could the president pardon uh Paul Manafort, could he pardon Michael Flynn if he's indicted? I think so, yeah. Uh, Could he pardon himself? That is something that has never been fully decided. Most people think that he cannot pardon himself. Yeah, it seems to me, I'm not a lawyer, I haven't read the law, but uh, if he's found guilty of a, if Mueller were to go that high, Right. right? Uh, that he may be able to pardon anybody else, but yeah, I think the I think himself. the best argument is that he cannot pardon himself. You know, we have a long-standing rule um, uh, going back centuries that a person cannot be the judge in his own case. And to me, it seems like if you're pardoning yourself, you're certainly being the judge in your own case. So yeah. you know, while it hasn't been decided, I think the best argument is that he can't pardon himself. I'd well, like to think that he can't. I'd like to think that. We have a nation of laws in which a criminal can't pardon themselves just because they're president. Right. Yeah. You know, and you think back yeah. to Nixon, you know, Ford pardoned Nixon, so it wasn't like he did it himself. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if someone were named a co-conspirator in this case, name him, I don't know, mm-hmm. Michael, uh, Mike Pence, mm-hmm. uh, could he fire a co-conspirator? That gets close to a pardon, I'm sorry. That gets close to pardoning yourself, doesn't it? Yeah, but, I, you know, it, the pardon power is very broad yeah. that the president has. and yeah. um, But, you know, <laughs> that doesn't mean that there couldn't be consequences. You know, right. if I'm if I'm a member of Congress and the president is pardoning all these people who are um, implicated in this 
collusion right, conspiracy, right. I'm going to really start thinking about articles of impeachment. Yeah, right, of course. Um, you've written recently also about um, uh, Jefferson, Beauregard, Sessions, uh, <laughs> the attorney general, um, watching uh, the people that he's appointed to top positions in the uh, Justice Department. Um, not a lot of diversity, huh? No. You know, we have seen that through and through this administration when it comes to justice positions, whether it's leadership in DOJ, which Sessions admitted in his most recent congressional testimony that he did not have any African-Americans in senior positions at DOJ. Not one. And uh, no, he that's at least that's what he said. Um, And the judicial picks by the Trump administration have been overwhelmingly white and um, same with the white male and same with the U.S. attorney positions. So, you know, they have not in any way considered that to be um, an important factor in who they have in leadership, which is not surprising, unfortunately, uh, for Jeff Sessions. He has a history of trying to keep African-Americans off the uh, judicial bench. Um, So I'm not terrifically surprised, given both his history and his policies, which are, uh, you know, his his policies against uh, racial justice. So I'm not surprised, unfortunately. It you know it seems to go with this administration's hostility to um, uh, people of color. And you know we saw it this week with his shameful remarks with the honorable heroes, Navajo code talkers, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, it's just uh, it's really a shameful part of this administration. Right. And, you know, and a man that we first heard of because he and his father refused to rent apartments uh, to African-Americans right. and, and was sued by the Justice Department for failure to mm-hmm. do so. So, yeah, uh, it continues. Oh, my Elizabeth White, so many issues, so many, so many. to get into. <laughs> I know, but you're on top of all of them. Thanks so much for coming in. Always great to be here. The this US is the Press Show. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 